In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. When peaceful silence lay over all, and night had run half of her swift course, your all-powerful word, O Lord, leaped down from heaven, from the royal throne. The Church applies this verse from the Book of Wisdom to the Incarnation, to the reality that our Lord Jesus Christ was truly God, was truly God just as much as he was truly man. And this is the mystery, Lord, we want to contemplate in your presence, also very much in the presence of Our Lady, who who made it all happen. On this Feast of the Annunciation, which is also the Feast of the Incarnation, when Our Lady said her fiat, her be it done unto me according to your word, in response to her vocation. In that very moment, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your all-powerful word, O Lord, leaped down from heaven, from the royal throne. And wisdom says something very important here, something that's so helpful for our prayer. When peaceful silence lay over all, and night had run half of her swift course, your all-powerful word, O Lord, leaped down from heaven. It happens in silence. It happens in the middle of the night. It happens when people aren't active or busy or expecting it. It's something that no one knows about. It's a great paradox, the greatest event of all times, and no one knows about it this great moment of our redemption, this great moment in which eternity touches time and the infinite touches and enters the finite. And no one knows about it. It would be like some great current public event that is not televised. It's simply not on. It's not on the networks. It's not on cable. It's not on pay-per-view. We can't find it on the internet. There's no mention of it in the news. Maybe sometimes we kind of wish national politics were more like this, a little bit less covered, a little bit less public. And this is our Lord's incarnation, and this is Our Lady's vocation. It starts as something very hidden, very small, something that no one knows about except Our Lady. And yet this event is everything. It's the incarnation of the Son of God which leads to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which leads to his life and his death on the cross, which we'll celebrate next week during Holy Week. A hidden event that is everything, an event that's totally overlooked, that is so important. Lord, teach us not to underestimate or undervalue Our own life, which for so many of us is hidden, is ordinary, 
is not viral. We're not celebrities. We're normal people. And sometimes we think, well, the only thing that really matters is the thing that makes a splash. The thing that many people know about. And this is simply not true. The Incarnation teaches us this lesson that the most important things can be hidden, silent, quiet, overlooked. St. Gregory Nanzianzen, who is a 4th century father of the Church, has a sermon on the Incarnation. And in it he helps us to realize the greatness of this mystery, the greatness of a God who becomes man. The very Son of God, older than the ages, the invisible, the incomprehensible, the incorporeal, the beginning of beginning, the light of light, the fountain of life and immortality, the image of the archetype, the immovable seal, the perfect likeness, the definition and word of the Father. He it is who comes to his own image and takes our nature for the good of our nature and unites himself to an intelligent soul for the good of my soul to purify like by like. He takes to himself all that is human except for sin. What a list. What a great list of titles for you, Lord. What a help to wonder at the tremendous mystery of the Incarnation. The very Son of God, older than the ages, the invisible, the incomprehensible, the incorporeal, the beginning of beginning, the light of light, the fountain of life and immortality, the image of the archetype, the immovable seal, the perfect likeness, the definition and word of the Father. He it is who comes to his image and takes our nature for the good of our nature. This reminds me a little bit of boxing or professional wrestling, when the announcer will say, and in this corner, and then he lists a whole list of nicknames for the fighter. This happened in, in, in the Rocky movie where the champion Apollo Creed, which is one of the greatest movie names of all time, Apollo Creed is introduced and he's given that long list of nicknames. The Dancing Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, the Prince of Punch, the Master of Disaster, the one and only Apollo Creed. And to this day in Europe, royalty, they don't just have one title, they might have many titles. Someone will be called the Prince of This, but he's also the Duke of That, and the Earl of this other thing, and the Viceroy of some other place. And the longer the list, the more important the person. And this is what St. Gregory the Great is trying to get across with regard to you, Lord. How holy you are. The mystery of your divine nature. Older than the ages, the invisible, the incomprehensible, the incorporeal the beginning of beginning, the light of light, the fountain of life and immortality, the image of the archetype, the immovable seal, the perfect likeness, the definition and word of the Father. He it is. He it is who becomes incarnate today on the Feast of the Annunciation. He it is who our Lady lets into the world. It's a great mystery. God who is uncaused, who is the first cause of all that is, becomes a child, 
becomes a child born of a human mother, dependent on her for everything. God, whose infinite being, incomprehensible, is wrapped up in swaddling clothes, bound by the confines of a manger and by his mother's arms and by St. Joseph's arms. God, who holds the whole universe in existence, lets himself be held in Our Lady's arms, in the arms of St. Joseph, and later on lets himself also be held every day in the Mass by the priest and by all who come forward to receive him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being, the prologue of St. John's Gospel, stressing the divinity of the Word, the power of the Word. He's the Creator. He's the one responsible for everything that is. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This one line summarizes today's feast, summarizes what Our Lady made possible by her yes to to that announcement of the angel Gabriel. The Word is made flesh and dwelt among us. And all over the world, every day, millions of people recite that Angelus prayer in which they recall this moment. And they recite this verse, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And many of them, thousands, hundreds of thousands of them, have the pious custom of bowing their heads when they say this word. And in Mass on Sunday, when we recite the Nicene Creed, we bow our heads when we pray, For us men and for our salvation, He came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and became man. By the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and became man. And who was incarnate? The one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. And so why do we bow our heads at these verses? Why do we bow our heads in reference to the Incarnation? Well, because of how how mysterious it is, how divine it is, how incredible it is that God becomes man, that the infinite takes on a finite nature. Good for us to reflect on God's on God's divinity, on God's transcendence. If we could physically enter God, which of course we can't, because God is spiritual. But if God were a kind of a, 
an infinite physical being. Well, think about that. If you, let's say you entered God from the top of God and just kind of dove into God. Well, you would, you would um, never reach the bottom, right? You would fall into God forever and you'd keep falling and you would never, ever, ever reach the bottom of God, no matter how far you fell. Or let's say you enter God from the bottom in, in a kind of ladder or a kind of staircase. Well, you'd be climbing that ladder or ascending that staircase forever and you'd never reach the end. You'd never reach the top of God. C.S. Lewis says, Heaven will never get boring. And he compares it to a good story. Perhaps we've all, that, all had that experience of reading a good story and we come to the end of one chapter and, and it's, it's intriguing and we're wondering what's going to happen next. And we eagerly turn to the next chapter to keep reading. Well, C.S. Lewis says that will be like heaven, that God will just keep getting more and more interesting, more and more fascinating. And we'll keep turning the page to see what's next, what new vista, what new perspective, what new riches can we find in God? And unlike a good book, uh, sometimes we get to the end of a good book and we kind of wish that it keep, could keep going. We're kind of sad that it's it's going to end. Unlike a book, God will just keep getting more interesting and forever and ever and ever. God is infinite goodness, infinite holiness, infinite riches of being. And yet, what does he do? He becomes one of us. St. Gregory Nanzianzen doesn't just wonder at the metaphysical implications of the Incarnation, at the mystery of this God who's so transcendent, the source of all that is, uniting himself to one of his creatures. He also wonders that it's all done for him. And by extension, it's all done for you and for me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us for our good, to help us, to love us. This is St. Gregory. He who makes rich is made poor. He takes on the poverty of my flesh that I may gain the riches of his divinity. He who is full is made empty. He is emptied for a brief space of his glory that I may share in his fullness. What is this wealth of goodness? What is this mystery that surrounds me? I received the likeness of God, but failed to keep it. He takes on my flesh to bring salvation to the image, immortality to the flesh. He enters into a second union with us, a union far more wonderful than the first. St. Gregory clearly takes the Incarnation personally. And we too, Lord, should take it very personally. Sometimes when we get upset about something or we get emotional about something, we might receive that advice. Well, listen, don't take it personally. It's not personal. Don't get too worked up. Don't get too emotional about this. It's not personal. It's, it's only business. Or it's not meant to hurt you. And here the opposite should occur. We should take the Incarnation very personally. We should let it move us. We should 
let it touch our hearts. God did this for us. Lord, you became one of us so that we could become like you. The church talks about the incarnation in this way. In her liturgy, she calls it a wonderful exchange. O admirable commercium. This is from the liturgy, the um, solemnity of Mary, the mother of God, celebrated on January 1st. A wonderful exchange. The creator of the human race has deigned to be born of the virgin by assuming an animated body and can see without a human father. He has lavished upon us his divinity. And so the exchange here is that he takes on our human nature in the incarnation so that he can give us a share in his divine nature. The exchange is an exchange of natures. He takes on our nature to give us his nature, our way of life, our our way of being, to give us his way of life and his way of being. When we want to understand something, we ask, why? Why did she do that? Why did he do this other thing? And when we don't know the reasons for actions, we we might scratch our head and wonder, what were they thinking? Well, our Lord doesn't leave us in doubt about this. The reason he becomes human, the reason he becomes one of us, is to share his own nature with us, his own divinity with us, therefore his own beatitude with us, his own happiness with us. A wonderful exchange. We often see this in in uh, car commercials or phone commercials, that part of the offer being uh, advertised is a trade-in, right? Trade in your old phone for a better deal on a new improved one, and you'll get $600 off or whatever. Trade in your old car for a better, a better deal on this year's model. Well, this is the, this is the offer our Lord gives us in our Christian life. Trade in your way of being and take on mine. In the same prologue of John's Gospel, we have, we have this truth that, that the end game is that we participate in Jesus' own sonship, which is his own divinity. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the end game. This is the why. Lord, why did you become one of us? Why did you become human? Why were you incarnate of the Blessed Virgin Mary? This is the reason, because he wanted us to participate in his divinity. He wanted us 
who are creatures, to participate in the glory of the Creator. He wanted us who are, who are finite to participate in His infinite goodness. To all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, right? To be born directly of God. This is what our faith gives us. This is what baptism gives us. This is what it means to be in the state of grace, to participate in, in the Father's generation of the Divine Son, to be born of God directly, which is to participate in, in Jesus's very being, in his very, in his very divinity. Lord, help us to see that you want us to let you do this. As Our Lady says, be it done unto me according to your word. We too, we too are called to say, be done unto me according to your word. Our Lord wants us to offer him our life as a platform to live his life in us. So that in my friendships, in my family life, and in my colleagues, our Lord can love those people through me that I'm letting him live his life in me. And what does our our Lord do in his life? Well, he loves people and he teaches people and he helps people and he cures people and he suffers on behalf of people and he loves God the Father and he gives thanks to God the Father and he worships God the Father. He spends time in prayer with God the Father. Well, Lord, help me to see that you want to do all these things once again, but now in my life such that in my prayer life, once again, through me, through my heart, you want to love God the Father and praise God the Father. And in my friendships and in my colleagues at work and in my family members, you want to teach people again and heal people again and help people again. And in my sufferings, Lord, in the things that cause me to suffer, that cause me pain, disappointment, or sorrow, Well, Lord, you want to take up the cross again in me, in my cross. You want to carry your cross again. In my suffering and sorrow, you want to live the agony in the garden again. In my suffering, Lord, you want to redeem the world again or to continue redeeming it through me so that I become a co-redeemer like Our Lady at the foot of the cross. Lord, when I look at my life, help me not just to see the possibilities of my life, my finite possibilities, my limitations, but help me truly to look with the eyes of faith, to realize, Lord, that you want to live in me. You want to live your life in my life so that my life becomes a platform precisely for your love of others, for your love of God, for your willingness to suffer for others, for your trust in God, in God's plan for you. Holiness had to be brought to mankind by the humanity assumed by one who was God. This is St. Gregory again. Holiness had to be brought to mankind by the humanity assumed by one who was God, so that God might overcome the tyrant by force, and so deliver us and lead us back to himself through the mediation of his Son. The Son arranged this for the honor of the Father, to whom the Son is clearly obedient in all things. Why? That eternal question that theologians and saints have always asked, why? Why did God become man? Cor Deus Homo. 
And the reason is our redemption to, to free us from sin, to free us from Satan, to free us from hell. And the reason also is our glorification to bring us up to his level, to give us a share in his life, the life of a son of God, the life of someone who knows how much the Father loves him, the life of someone who receives everything freely from the hands of his Father God, appreciates it, gives thanks for it, and then gives it all back in an act of love and trust. A life that is a gift given and a gift returned. Lord, thank you so much for trusting us with this exchange. Thank you so much for this offer that we can turn in our life in which we rely only on our own powers for a life in which we let you work through us. You work through us to love and teach and heal and redeem now in in my time, in this time that we live in, in my environment, in my surroundings, in my life, just as you did it through your life the first time, so too you do it through all the members of your mystical body. Help me, Lord, to be aware of this wonderful dignity, this wonderful opportunity of my Christian life, that because of the Incarnation, because you became a man like me, because you became a human being like all of us, the human nature, we could participate in you and let you live your life through us. In every Mass, there's, there is a special moment which is very beautiful, but it's, it's, it's hidden. And it's the moment in which the priest is preparing the gifts, and he's preparing specifically the wine, which will become the body of Christ. And the rubrics of the Mass say that he has to take one drop of water, or, or a couple drops, sometimes it's hard just to see it one drop, but to mix a little bit of water in with the wine before the consecration. And so in preparing the gifts, he pours a little bit of water into the wine. And as he does it, he says, through the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And that little drop of water has a very important significance. It represents us. It represents you and me, dropped into the wine and dissolving into it, such that it remains wine, but now it has, it's received and assumed that little bit of water. And that wine, which will become Christ, which will become Christ's blood, is us. We are now part of that sacrifice. We are part of that transubstantiation. We are part of that of that wonderful offering of Christ to the Father. By the mystery of this water and wine, when we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. It's an, it's an expression in every single Mass of this admirable commercium, of this wonderful exchange, that you, Lord, humbled yourself to share in our humanity, the infinite become finite, the causeless become dependent. The eternal become subject to time. The immortal come to die for us on the cross. Humbling yourself to share in this human nature, this human experience, so that we could share in your divinity. Lord, thank you so much 
what a wonderful love. What a mysterious love. What an overpowering love that God, that God has for us. It's something that we can't, that we can't do, right? We can't, we can't literally share our life with others. We can't literally take a, a lower nature and have it participate in our higher human life. But God does it through Christ. He lets us plug in to this higher power source. He lets us freeload in this higher way of being. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, and Lord, help me to examine my life. Where am I too creaturely? Where am I too human? Where am I running on my own power source and not plugging into you? Where am I like a phone or a computer that has no internet access and so therefore it can't call other people and it can't download new apps and it can't browse the internet and it, and it can't do so many things because it's made to be connected to the internet or it's made to be connected to the cloud and to other computers and to, and to cellular data and to Wi-Fi and therefore work in all the ways that it's been programmed to work. Where, Lord, am I kind of like a phone that is in airplane mode, right? And it can do very few things, limited things, because we're not truly plugged into you. Help us, Lord, to plug into charity, to hope, to faith, the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Those are the ways that we participate in God's nature. Those are the ways that we participate in God's very life. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is the is the one who made it all happen. Without Our Lady, there's no incarnation. Without her, yes, there's no incarnation. There's no coming of God into the world. So we go to her and we ask her, help us like you to be this platform that God wants to use, to be this vessel through which God wants to pour graces into the world. Like Our Lady, if we say yes to our vocation, if we say yes to God in a definitive way, by saying yes to our vocation, and then following that up day by day with a daily yes to all the implications of our, of our vocation, we, like Our Lady, will bring Jesus into the world. Our Lady, our Mother, Mother of the Word Incarnate, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.